quickly. All right, Lena. So a while ago we discussed um in a previous episode we discussed the Ricarte Romolo those kind of historical antecedents, important figures, controversial, colorful, interesting figures, no? Pang literary figures, very complex characters in Philippine history. And uh, I mean, before we talk about bricks, no? Um, to to be honest, how do you feel when we you when you see like Filipino figures really holding it at the highest levels of discussing the emerging global order, right? In a sense, don't you feel we should have the same thing? I mean, you can kind of see what we're trying to do here, right? We want to be part of this conversation about Global South, right? Because I think the mm-hmm. Roma intervention makes you uh, proud of being a Filipino, right? And also Salvador Lopez, of course. Like, because usually Philippines is dismissed as kind of a deputy sheriff of US in Southeast Asia, right? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I feel your writings really shed light on the fact that, no, 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 it's far more complicated than that. And in many ways, we're actually the underappreciated voice of the Global South, a very articulate and eloquent one. Napa-proud ka ba? Ako, I mean, again, I'm also morally ambivalent on Romulo compared to Salvador Lopez. I think we're, we stand on the same moral plane here. But I'm also impressed with the intellectual audacity, not just the depth, but the audacity of Sino ka ba? I mean, uh, it's like conferences today when the Indians, Singaporeans, Filipinos fight together and may laban talaga mga Filipino academics. Uh, I mean, you should know that very well, right? What do you feel about it when you were writing about this? Ayun, yung, yung meron nga talagang sense na yung Philippines, kahit gano'ng kahirap siya, it does produce like top-tier intellectuals. I mean, like, you know, we we discovered this early on, I think both of us, uh, because parang ang, ang, yung Pilipinas its universities are underfunded, whatever, like mahirap siya na bansa. Pero pag linabas mo, linagay mo sa Asian Debating Championships, kakainin natin ang boyang Singapore, di ba? Kakainin natin ang boyang Malaysia, right? Oh, well, you know, they can compete with us, but, you know, we're, we're always going to be ahead, we're going to be ahead of them, you know, we're even better than the Indians uh, in terms of debating. So, and, and Romulo actually was kind of well-known as a, as a debate coach. He sent a debate team to the United States and they they won against some of the Ivy League schools there. So, meron talagang, meron talagang sense that yung, yung the best Filipino intellectuals, pwede mo talagang tapat sa best intellectuals sa mundo. Um, and you, you kind of see that, like, lalo na with our DFA in the 50s and 60s with people like Romulo, Ingles, um, Carlos, P- uh, uh, Salvador P. Lopez, because si Lopez, for example, you know, when he became chair of the Commission on Human Rights, si John Humphrey, John Humphrey was one of the drafters of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Sabi niya, this Lopez is the is the greatest chair of the commission we've ever seen, ahead yeah. of even Eleanor Roosevelt. You know that 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 was in Humphrey's diary, and of course, if it's the diary, it's probably a bit more honest than than a public statement. So you know, meron talagang, definitely meron talagang pride. Um, yeah, Pinoy pride. Do you get that thing from this? From I do, I do. But sometimes, 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 in the yung class na yan that kind of distinguishes itself. It's also, it's also, it's also evidence of yung great inequality ng Pilipinas because, like, you have a you have a really well supported intellectual class that can thrive because of whatever private money, the Brahmins, kind of like the Brahmins of the Philippines, because of opportunity. But at the same time, you know, that's these are not avenues that are available to to everyone else. Um, and 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 it kind of sucks. And uh, you know, there was a lot of I I feel like there was a lot of social mo- mo- uh, Probably there's a bit more social mobility in the mid twentieth century than we have now, uh, and I think we really need to think about you know the state of our public schools and social mobility. So, you know, one, one thing I realized, for example, yesterday, um, I was researching Jung's childhood ni Gerardo Sikat. 
um, one of Marcos's chief technocrats. At pagkino sa mga si si Jerry Sikat, he's the most conyo person around. Akala mo lumaking mayaman kasi he's a man, he's a man um, associated with the trappings of power and he's very urbane, um, very soft-spoken. Pero ang background pala ni Jerry Sikat is that neither of his parents finished high school um, and he went through the public education system all the way until UP. And then yung PhD niya to MIT was like pure grants, Rockefeller grant. Fulbright, walang walang individual self-made gentleman. If I can put sobrang it that way, self, sobrang self-made. Um, and I had always thought that he was just like his, you know, best friend Cesar Virata, who was actually quite uh, who belonged to the property class. He did, you know. So, so may mga ganyan, may mga ganyan kang kwento. Um, if you, I wonder how many of the technocrats in our future will will look like, you know, will have a story similar. Whether you like um Sikat or not, um. His story is kind of nice, right? His story of up, upward mobility is nice. I wonder if other people will have that kind of same biography in the future. Speaking of inequality, speaking of not sustaining momentum, I mean, that was the problem with Bandung Conference, right? There was the Afro-Ashatic, you know, uh, conferences after that. There were there was the non-aligned movement, which still exists. It has a secretariat. I think Venezuela was one of the latest uh, chairs of it, which just tells you about where the direction of non-alignment is going. It's <laughs> Yeah, Laos, but, but what is the fundamental reasons there? I mean, one, obviously, you can look at the wars among post-colonial nations, China versus India, India versus Pakistan, Iraq invading Iran, Vietnam versus China. Another one, obviously, you could say that the West also didn't give much of a chance for this flourish. Remember, in the 1960s, there were discussions about the new international economic order, right, whereby you know, commodity exporting countries from Latin America, Middle East, the idea was we're getting more and more uh, leverage in international trade and then that was immediately reversed especially with the debt crisis and all of the McNamara and other kinds of interventions that happened again I'm I'm very indebted to Vijay Prashad's book A History of Poorer Nations for appreciating this as much as of course Yung Lodi Natan Si Walden Belli has written also fantastic mm-hmm. on this stuff so the, the the Bandung spirit or promise Bandung spirit I think that was the article that Romolo wrote no uh, kind of faded into history right yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll... I'll offer two other reasons why. Um, well, una, uh, the end of the Cold War. So yung kind of capacious middle kasi wala ka ng Soviet Union. Hindi na neither US nor, nor Russia. So yung, yung, intellectual capa- yung intellectual capacity niya to critique both systems, wala na. And then, of course, China medyo at the end of the Cold War hindi pa ganun kalakas. In fact, as China emerges I, and, and kind of replaces Russia, and as you said, this might be the real Cold War. We don't know, although the crisis in China ngayon, then that 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 actually might be the opportunity to articulate a new Bandung. Um, because if this is the real Cold War, the other thing I'd say, uh, bakit nalaos yung Cold War is yung yung Bandung is because um, as opposed to non-alignment as an important source of solidarity, region became an important source of solidarity. Um, so you get the emergence of the African Union, for example. You get the emergence of Mercosur in Latin America, and then of course you get the emergence of ASEAN in 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 Southeast Asia. And then of course, um, on, on a more broader level, the kind of regionalization that occurs after the Plaza Accord, um, wherein you have the United States as the guarantor of regionalization in Asia, and 
Japan as the secondary guarantor of that regionalization in Asia. So, yung kind of yung big brother, yung ano, middle big brother and big big brother setup ng Asia relative to ng Asia Pacific, you know, like which you see of course in in APEC. Definitely. I mean, my sense is this is a good way to transition now to the BRICS because before going to the critic of BRICS, I mean, first of all, let's talk about the paradoxes and ironies of the BRICS. BRICS today is very much known and, and very much in the headlines because of the so-called de-dollarization, uh, you know, challenging Western hegemony. But the concept of BRICS came from a Goldman Sachs report. So it's like, how ironic can you get, right? I mean, <laughs> for all their anti-dollar oh, Western stuff, it actually came from a Goldman Sachs report by Jim O'Neill, right? Who is still alive and still saying a lot of stuff about BRICS. The second thing is, the one financial institution that the BRICS has created, the New Development Bank, which is based in Shanghai, not only doesn't lend that much, it's in desperate need of dollars itself because some of its members <laughs> like Russia. So, like, there are a lot of ways to be a little bit like, this is like more like Andrew Tate kind of hype machine that maraming dodginess going on but the reality is that Lelo, there is also some prestige to BRICS right because of presence of big developing countries Kaya nga sabi ko, if G7 were business class this is at least premium economy in terms of at least okay, okay, okay. right uh -huh. uh, but right um having said that I mean if you look at the expansion of BRICS just the other day uh you have six new countries coming in and I absolutely have no idea what was the criteria for that Right, I can see a lot of energy. Major surprise, major surprising yeah. na alakid, kasi meron talaga dilution of power. May may dilution of power din ng konte, so we don't know kung ano yung anong status sila. Is there going to be are is there going to be tiered membership na now, de ba? Uh, are 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 their votes going to be smaller than the votes of the original BRICS? So so we don't know. You're right, and I mean, um. Of course, you have Saudi Arabia there, which is a major, uh, you know, oil exporting, energy exporting country. You also and have traditional like, partner of the United States. Exactly, and then also the same thing with United Arab Emirates, right? Which is also very close to the U.S., but also has close relation with China. And then you have a country like Iran, which is very anti-West, at least the regime there, but also a major oil exporting country. For me, the good thing though with the inclusion of those three countries is, as you know, the three countries are now trying to explore a detente, if not a rapprochement, which, by the way, was brokered by China. So the BRICS could be an institutionalized platform for dialogue because. As Filipinos, we don't want these countries at war with each other because we have millions uh -huh. of Filipinos in the Middle East, not to uh -huh. mention price of oil and gas. So actually, the more Saudis, Persians, Emiratis talk, it's better for us. So actually, I like the fact that this yeah. country is clean. And then yeah. you have Ethiopia. You so have in that, yeah. In that sense, may pattern. But um, Ethiopia is actually, you mentioned Ethiopia. It's weird. It's not It's not a middle power. It's kind of, It's really poor. And it just and went through trouble, a civil war. Right? They have a civil war. It went through a civil war. And, and, and the reason why they're there is because they're the African country that's closest to China. So merong, merong ano dyan, may mga straightforward power play moves dyan in terms of your membership. Yeah, bro. Why not Nigeria, right? Which is the biggest uh -huh. of Africa. And that's uh -huh. uh -huh. why like, wait, uh -huh. what? And then maraming Kenyans nagpaisip like, wait, what? You know, like, it's, it's like, parang kinalimutan mo Indonesia, Singapore, Thailand, Malaysia, biglang nag-jump ka sa, I don't know, Cambodia, Philippines. Oh, Kenya, Kenya would be a heavy hitter. Kenya would be the real heavy hitter, no? Oh. Actually, in Kenya, parang mga Pilipino din yan, eh, di ba? Parang meron ding deep tradition of parang intellectuals who distinguish themselves globally, eh. Makulit. Makulit sila, oh. Like, I mean, Barack Obama, right? And, and 
of course, runners, fantastic run, Kipchoge, I mean, mga Lodi's uh, marathon, mga Kenyans. And Kenyans, you're absolutely right. They're the Eastern Africa superpowers in many ways, economically, intellectually, etc. And then you have Argentina, probably it's the Messi effect or like Lula. <laughs> Let's put our amigos on the other side so there's no trouble, you know what I'm saying? Are you close to so, Chinese and Argentina? I mean, you could probably say all six countries are close to China. Uh, so India successfully pushed for Emiratis, UAE. I think the Chinese were on board for Iran and Saudi Arabia so that you have the two poles of power. The Indians insisted on Emirates. And then Indians successfully insisted against Pakistan being brought in because the Chinese really wanted to bring in Pakistan. But so... but So... There's clearly a power struggle going on between India and China here. I mean, obviously, Brazil and South Africa are closer to the India position, but they're weaker than India in terms of saying no to China. Well, Modi, he can say no to China. And, and they actually, in some pictures, they sila ni Xi Jinping and Modi. It's a problem. TikTok in India. I mean, just to give an idea how things are deeply conflictual between the two countries and the two macho guys. Um and and many Indians, Lele, are making arguments that we are you and I are about to make, which is BRICS may give you a vibes of post-West, uh alternative to West, I don't know, de-dollarization hype, whatever, but it's looking more like a China, China dominated organization at the rate it's going, because China is just so much bigger than everyone else. And yeah. China, I mean, if you look at the total exports of BRICS, like 90% is manufacturing from China. You know, something like, that. like it's, it's ridiculous. And the rest are more energy exports. And guess who buys their energy? Of Iran, Saudi, Russia, China again. So like, kung, kung India, ilang ka dito, like mm, what's going to happen here? So this is what people are not appreciating about the BRICS. Indians are feeling very uncomfortable with, with where BRICS is going, despite at least getting the Pakistani question right so far. And then Marat is in. So... This is where I agree with some of our Indian friends, uh, Raja Mohan, for instance, to flag some of the fantastic writers there. You can read his works also in Foreign Policy magazine. Um, that that this is not Bandung. This is looking like, I don't know, like Soviet Union having a second shot as having having its own Warsaw Pact or something like that. Or maybe that's an exaggeration. I mean, for me, kasi, ganito, Lele, just end on this. Baka walang mangyari. My ideal situation is post-America, but not Paxinica, right? Essentially a middle power world. That's my mm -hmm. ideology. So don't some mm -hmm. idiots who are trying to dismiss me as, you know, ano ng America yan gana. Like, get out of here. You guys are either not reading or tamat kayo or, well, mahabang usapan yan. Bayaran siguro yung mga iba dyan. I am for middle powers of this world. So I like that. South uh, Iran, Saudi Arabia, Emiratis, Indians, I don't know, Brazilians have more say in international affairs because I don't want the Americans and all to be gatekeepers forever. They shouldn't have been to begin with. But at the same time, like this looks like a very China leaning situation, right? How do you feel about it? Um, I wanna ano, parang, I, I, I just wanna say na my, my ideal version is like, yeah, maybe middle powers, but actually like a lot of democracies participating in a global order. So, and, and so Indonesia I would say, and Turkey were not in. That's the surprise. Uh, in, Indonesia, Turkey. In, uh, in that world, I think the US would still play a role, but they would play a role equivalent to the role, say, of Japan, Germany, Korea, ganyan. So, um, Australia. Australia, yeah. That kind, a kind of world that's kind of run by those democracies wherein there's no big brother. Indeed, big brother in US, but it would play with those democracies. 
in, in a kind of collaborative way and hopefully the Philippines becomes part of that that's 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 my ideal world kasi takot pa rin ayoko pa rin talaga sa mga modis india ganyan takot pa rin ako sa mga ganyan um or or mbs i mean saudi mbs yeah, yeah. Clear, I, when it all was saudi Arabia, i'm not talking about the regime i'm just saying you know you want the major muslim and while, and while i'm encouraged by where brazil is now you never know you never know where where they'll be in a few years you know we know now very He's vulnerable. our champion in bricks right and we'll see yeah. uh, although I'm wondering uh, Lelo, sorry I'm, I'm talking over you because I know you've already said in previous episodes so I just want to you know, no, share no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for my area no, no, I mean, good luck with the acronym now right like don't oh, groups or something like that <laughs> like what's going on acronym now with all of these new letters and, and, and countries coming in but you know for me Indonesia not being included is interesting and in fact one version I heard is Indonesia backed out Because they didn't want to be seen as joining a pro-China kind of world, yeah. uh, and I even know. Turkey, uh, man, because they're NATO member, mohang there's some mutual concerns also there. I mean, Russia. Is I hate recalcitrant, hate recalcitrant NATO member. NATO member, paren. Yes. So, so yun nga. Because for me, those two perfectly meet all the criteria. They're the two large trillion-dollar economies. They're democracies, or in their case of Turkey, at least semi-democracy, Muslim-majority countries, and yet hindi sila sinama. So I think that in itself says a lot about the the potentially troubling direction of BRICS and mm-hmm. why we should not be overexcited. Nevertheless, premium economy is always better than economy. Uh, yeah, and, uh, and, and you know, and you know, you don't need to displace the U.S. dollar as the global reserve currency. You only need to increase non-dollar trade, and you know, for for China. That's already that's already a benefit. Lalo na if if there's if there's a long game, um, and if the long game is I guess to displace the dollars reserve currency so that you have more flexibility, um, that takes some time, naman talaga. Eh. And there and if you look at how the dollar displaced the pound sterling, for example, um, it took a while actually, and there was a time roughly in the 1910s and 1920s, roughly when at the time when we were a colony of the U.S where sabay 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 siya as a global reserve currency. So the way global reserve currencies work is is hindi siya yung parang may isang reserve currency and then overnight na displaced. Nagsasabayan siya for a while and you can have multiple global reserve currencies at the same time. Um this was just like proven by the work again of my favorite economic historian Barry Eichengreen na hindi siya hindi siya path dependent tas ganun na overnight. May, may my, my contingency, uh, my path breaking, uh, uh, drift, my uh, my social uh, drifts. Yeah, thank you so uh, much that, uh, on that, uh, Leloy. Uh, we'll close the, this episode. We'll have another short episode. Just balikan natin ng Pilipinas. After all, you know, we're, we're Filipino scholars. Let's talk about our man of the hour, BBM. According to some historian, he's a very normal guy. So how normal is normal, <laughs> and and how good is normal? We'll have a separate episode, Lelo. Wakamuna sumagot. Let's close this episode on this. <laughs> Excited.